The Elvis Cast with Grant Bench. Hello, thanks for joining us. There's so many ways these days that you can get your Elvis fix. You can go on the internet, look up various things. But one of the latest crazes is YouTube. Now, YouTube has so many Elvis Presley channels, you can spend all your life virtually looking at the various different channels and highlights. And a couple of my favourites that uh, you might want to look out for. Uh, number one is uh, The King's Court. It's run by Ed in New York. His family, uh, long-time Elvis fans, has great stories on there and lots of great content. So uh, I can recommend that one highly. Another one is uh, Elvis Back on Tour. It's run by... Uh, father and son team Jay and Michael and they take you where Elvis performed back in the 70s and what it looks like today and virtual lineups of photos and things it is fantastic and I'm happy to say that Jay and Michael will be joining us for a future Elvis cast very soon and another of my favorites is Elvis Presley in Japan it's a wonderful channel all about releases from Elvis in Japan and other places and it's put together by a great guy called David Ward I'm happy to say that he's a good friend of mine and he's joining us today for the Elvis cast. David, thanks for joining us and great to have you with us. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Now, Dave, tell us a little bit about, uh, obviously, you're not Japanese. How did you end up in Japan? Um, Well, keep a long story short, I came over on vacation when I was 24, 25. I had a friend living here at the time and I just loved it. So uh, I decided right there and then I was going to come back and that's what I did. Now, how did uh, Elvis enter your life then? Is that not such a long, short story? (laughs) (laughs) No, we used to have uh, some old records in the house. My mum was, um, you know, a a big pop music fan. She liked 60s uh, pop music. So we had a couple of Elvis records that um, I remember very well. There was an RCA international copy of the Flaming Star album, and we also had a copy of um, The Girl of My Best Friend and uh, A Mess of Blues on the old uk black rca label and uh yeah i remember liking flaming star a lot but really uh, the girl of my best friend was the song that really got me into into elvis i didn't uh, that was i'd been about six or seven years old at the time and i didn't really start buying records until a lot a lot uh, later than that but that was definitely the the start of the the journey if you like what was it about elvis that uh, attracted you was it uh, the voice was there the image anything like that take your fancy well I- that particular song, it was the voice and it was also the the, the lyric itself. Um, I'm not quite sure still to this day, but I, I could really feel, you know, how that guy felt in the song, you know. The dilemma that he has in that song, it really had a, a big effect on me. Yeah, I can remember listening to that song myself. Uh, Elvis's Back was one of the first albums that uh, that I remember li- listening to. And that, that song, actually, when people ask me what my favourite Elvis song is, that's the one I usually use because that's the one that got the hook in. Right, right. Yeah, I think I'd, I, if I was uh, pushed, that would probably be my choice as well. Well, David, to tell a bit about how you started then starting collecting records, because you've obviously got a pretty sizable collection, not just Elvis, but uh, a sizable collection. Um, when I first started collecting records, seriously, yeah, it would have been probably the first Elvis single that I bought. That was perhaps the, the start of collecting seriously. Um, we used to have a cheap record shop in the city where I used to live, where I'm from, and they had these Canadian um, picture sleeve singles, and I bought one of them, an Elvis single. It was Little Sister, His Latest Flame. And I was kind of hooked from, from that point on. I'd been about 13 years old at the time. Um, and then, yeah, I carried on buying records, uh, Elvis records, for about four or five years after that. Pretty much all the new releases that came out, I would buy every one, really. 
um, and I built a pretty good collection of old records as well. It wasn't. This was back in the nineteen late seventies, early eighties, so it wasn't so easy to get um, used stuff back then. We had a, a magazine called Record Collector that was available in in the UK, um, and I bought one or two things from that magazine, but otherwise it was some new stuff for. There were one or two shops, used record shops, not too far from where I lived. So that was basically how, how I bought things back then. Yeah, it's hard thinking about uh, today where you can go on YouTube or Spotify and you can listen to pretty much anything Elvis ever did. But like you, mm. I was growing up in the 70s and 80s trying to find albums like Today, uh, Elvis for Everyone, things like that, that you just couldn't go into shop and buy them. It's true, yeah. Uh, I had a lot of trouble finding. I remember the, uh, the Elvis album, you know, the Fool album from 1973. Just couldn't find that anywhere. Now, what started looking into getting different pressings of albums? One thing that I love about the, the channel that, that you do is having different pressings. When, when did you first notice, hang on, that looks different to the one I've heard of before? Uh, I didn't start getting interested in different um, variants until I re started buying records again when I came to Japan, um, going back about 15, 20 years now. Um, yeah, so it was basically just the Japanese ones. I would get uh, records. I, after, I would often buy records in um, sets, like buy a collection from uh, from someone online, and that that would be when I started noticing the differences. And the obi, of course, changed quite regularly with Japanese releases. You know, the little paper strip down the side of the cover. Um, the designs of those would often change. So I think that that was perhaps the thing that got me interested in the variants. Well, the one thing I love about the Japanese is the that they, they all seem to have a gatefold, so they're very well uh, presented. What, why why is that in Japan? Is that present records presented that way? Is that for the lyrics? Not necessarily, because they used to put the lyrics on the back cover. So um, I think it was just a way to sell them. Really, it's kind of what was expected. I think by the nineteen seventies, they weren't really using. They used a few gatefolds in the sixties. Uh, fairly flimsy things, but they didn't start getting really um, impressive until the live albums came out. The TV special, which came out here, I think, in 69, that was the first really good one. Um, you know, solid card cover. You open it up and you've got um, like a booklet stuck inside. You've got a color picture there in the middle, all the lyrics, Japanese liner notes. So that was the first really impressive one. What, what, and they just kept doing that with uh, the live albums. Yeah, I'd say the, the live albums seem to be the most popular in Japan. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Uh, the live albums, plus you can tell really the most um, popular ones are the ones that were re-released over and over again. And they were the live albums, Blue Away, um, Golden Records, and maybe the first album. I know when we all read about Aloha from Hawaii, everybody talks about, you know, that was you know, such a huge hit in Japan. And uh, I think even Japanese TV went over there. How big what is, was Elvis in Japan through his lifetime and obviously leading into now? Um, well, I think it was really Blue Hawaii that really started it in Japan. You, you can find, I'm just really, really going by records that are available now. That's really the best um, benchmark for me. And if you look at the records prior to Blue Hawaii, they're all fairly hard to find. But once you get to Blue Hawaii, the albums and the singles released after that, they're all fairly easy to find, with you know the odd exception. Um, and I suppose his popularity peaked here with "That's the Way It Is," and it continued for a couple of years, really high until "Aloha from Hawaii." And 
since a loaf of oil, it's kind of steadily, you know, uh, reduced over the years. There is still a kind of a fan club here, and they do the odd uh, event, yeah, the odd sporadic event, but um, it's nothing like it used to be. You know, like everywhere else, uh, Elvis fans are getting uh, getting old here. But he is still quite well known here. Did the Elvis movie get released over there, and do you know any reaction it got? Yeah, it did. It did get released here, yeah. Um, I don't live in a big city, so it wasn't shown here. So, I, uh, well, for other reasons, too, I, I didn't go and see it, but... Um, it was fairly well received. Somebody was asking me about this at the time, um, about you know box office receipts and um, things like that. And I did look it up at the time, but I've forgotten now. But it was doing quite well for um, you know for a week or so, week or two. A, a movies generally uh, was the Elvis movies. Do you know looking at the the history, where they tend to be popular in Japan as well? I mean, I know Do the Clam, for instance, was uh, nearly a number one out here, and it's probably the same in Japan as well. Yeah, somebody told me it, it was a number one. Um, I don't have any chart statistics for that particular single although that wouldn't surprise me judging by you know again the number of records that mm. are available now um most of the movies were released here there were a, a couple of the ones towards the end of his career were not like double trouble um and a couple of other ones maybe the trouble with the girls and one or two other ones were not released um in J- japanese cinemas but we'll come back to the japanese section in one section but you've just mentioned mm. one of my favorite Topics is uh, the Elvis movies themselves. Are you a big fan of any of the Elvis movies, or are they not not to your? I enjoy watching them every now and again. Um, I do enjoy certain ones like Live a Little, Love a Little is a favourite of mine, and uh, King Creole. Follow that dream. I saw for the first time. I think it was the first time about three years ago, and I was really impressed with that one. And a few other ones. I even saw it happened at the World's Fair recently, and that was it was quite enjoyable. Have, have, did you ever get to see any of them in the movies, in the actual theatre, anywhere? No, no, because they're not really shown. Actually, they, they are, up to a point, up to a few years ago, they were shown here. Um, things like That's the Way It Is, Elvis on Tour, they would occasionally get shown on cinemas here, um, you know, in the past, fairly recently. But, you know, the only one I've seen in, in a cinema is This Is Elvis when it came out in 1981, I think. Yeah, I remember going to see that. Do you know, out here, David had got double billed with the Bo Derek movie 10. All right. <laughs> and I, I, I sat there wanting the movie to end. Now, can you imagine a young fella wanting Bo Derek off the screen and actually Elvis on the screen? Looking yeah, back, yeah. I should have watched 10 a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, back to the Japan. Now, you made a book about the uh, releases in Japan. That would have been quite an effort to put together. Yeah, that was just uh, an albums book. Um, it was an, an e-book, which I, I published. And it's just basically detailing all the albums that were released. Well, basically from 1956 until the present, really. The last one that was released was 2018. And it has as many photographs as I could gather at the time and as many details about all the albums as I could gather at the time as well. I'm currently working on a new version of the book with um, Dick Decker, and it's also going to include singles and EPs as well. But this time it's going to be an actual physical book, not not just um, an e-book. Well, I can imagine that's a huge undertaking, so we'll, we'll certainly be keeping an eye out for that. And does it uh, still fascinate you that people are so interested in collecting Elvis and the albums? Not really, no. There's just uh, a lot about him that's um, that just attracts people to him, you know. 
Um, I was just watching a video today on, on YouTube. It was um, a couple of guys doing a, an, an unboxing, and they were just like showing this um, booklet in this book of uh, CDs, live CDs, and just looking at the pictures, just looking at the photos of the guy on stage. You can just feel the, the charisma, you know, just looking at photos of him without even seeing the seeing the video itself. So now, for all kinds of reasons, I can still. Uh, it, it doesn't surprise me actually. Well, tell me about uh, some of the uh, things in your collection. What would you say is uh, your most treasured item? Um, it's difficult to choose one. When people ask about really nice items or treasured items, the first one that always springs to mind is the second album, the UK pressing on HMV. It was called Rock and Roll Number no. 2 in, in Britain. That's usually the first one that springs to mind. That is, is there, that is a fantastic release. I, I sadly, oh, I have got a copy, but it's very well worn, but it's still nice to have. Yeah, mine's not bad, actually. Um, maybe about a VG Plus. It's, for that album, it's in really nice condition. Another one that I have actually came um, back to Japan from Australia. I bought it from a guy in Australia. It's actually an export copy of the King Creole album, the, the 1958 one. You know, with the, uh, In fact, it's, it's got that that cover there that you can see in the background oh, yes. uh, with the King Creole, sorry, the hard-headed woman uh, single picture sleeve on an LP. Mm. It's not that particular copy, but it's um, it, what they used to do with, with the albums that they sold here for the American forces is they would actually stick like a, a sheet of paper on the back cover, which was all in English because Japanese covers, back covers, they tended to be in Japanese with, with the English lyrics. So for the American troops, um, American forces that were here, they would stick a, a sheet of paper on the back with everything in English. And I have a copy of that, uh, King Creole version like that. And it was, um, it, it somehow it found its way to Australia because I, I bought it from someone in Australia. And it's still got the original price tag and um, even a little document saying it was made for export. Uh, can you ever? Would you ever stop collecting records, David? It's just so much fun, isn't it? Would I ever stop? Um, well, I have done before. I don't plan to. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> I know you need more things for your channel. What's that? Oh yeah, I need to get. Yeah, yeah. I actually did buy a couple of things. Actually, um, I probably wouldn't have bought them, but I thought, well, these these make quite an interesting video, so I, I did get them. Yeah. Hope you'll join us next time when we continue our interview with David Ward. But in the meantime, if you'd like to check out his channel, simply go to YouTube, type in Elvis Presley in Japan, and enjoy. See you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Elvis Cast. Subscribe or follow the show on your podcast platform of choice. Just search for Elvis Cast. All the links and contact information can be found on my website, elviscast.com. If you'd like more information about this episode's special guest, check out the show notes in the description. Thanks for listening to the Elvis cast.